Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cloud MLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With Cloud MLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide Cloud MLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out Cloud MLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now on with the show. Hey everybody, uh, imagine this. Uh, this is an episode of Industry Relations. Uh, I am your co-host, Rob Hahn, and my other co-host, Greg Robertson, who I haven't seen in, uh, it feels like years, uh, is I can see him. How you doing, Greg? Hello, Rob. <laughs> Hello, Greg. <laughs> Damn, dude. It's yeah. been a long time. It's been. A, <laughs> I looked at the last one and I thought it said March, maybe? That seems uh, about right. Yeah. yeah. And this is our sixty-second podcast episode, um, if I remember correctly. This year, no, I mean, you know, since we've been doing it, sixty-second. Oh, sixty-second. Uh, All right. Industry relate our sixty-second episode of of industry relations. About that's not that's not too bad. Yeah. You know, considering how we're not on a regular schedule, and you know, we seem to. But you know, look. Uh, so first of all, I think we should start off with just a. Uh, mea culpa and apologies to our fans who you know give us their yeah. time and attention i want to say it's uh it's our fault but it's really not it's it's greg's fault i just want to <laughs> point that out <laughs> man i don't know what i i like you know we got acquired back in our december of last year and it's just been like been shot out of a cannon so there's been yeah the company that bought me bought a home spotter and lion desk and merging all those things together it's just been a it's been a whirlwind here. So uh, no, it's uh, apologies to you, Rob. I mean, I oh, get no, no, a lot of people no, no. on Twitter and texting me like, when's the next episode? And it's completely my fault. So I, I started missing like, you know, all of our, our banter. And I, so I'm like, man, I just started my own thing. No, know? I was like, getting jealous. I was that, the stuff you, know? that, um, you, you did. And I'm, I'm, I'm super jealous. You got Natalie on from Proppy. I've oh, that was a good conversation. You. I haven't, I haven't listened to it yet, but um, yeah. I've been wanting to talk to her and get the scoop on just having somebody explain to me what's going on there because yeah. uh, it's super interesting to me. As much as I just, I've, I've always said that if I have to learn blockchain and and cryptocurrencies, I'm out of this business. But still, <laughs> you, you can't deny how super interesting. And they're they're just, it feels like something's going on there, and. Um, I can't wait to listen to the podcast episode and yeah. dive in. And you know what? I, I promise you this, man. Whether we do it on uh, on Notorious or we do it in industry relations, I, I think it'll be really fun for you and me to talk about blockchain and real estate. Like, give me a couple more episodes. You know, I still need to understand yeah. like parts of it. 
because I'm starting to find all these other people who really get this stuff, right? And I feel like there's something there. I, I just don't know what and what the. No, I mean, are. you know, to me, I mean, my my family, my two sons. I mean, they're very comfortable buying digital assets. I mean, sure. Fortnite. You know, sure. it's part of their sure. identity online, right? So they just sure. the the weapons and the, sure. the, the sure. way they dress and their hairstyles. It's all it's all part of yeah. my identity. And being your identity yeah. online is a huge thing, right? So um, yeah, no, I I mean yeah. it's it's amazing. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. But here we are. We're not going to talk about blockchain. There have been a few things that that have been going on. So I think, I think uh, so. we're going to get into yeah, just a few, just a few, <laughs> like the imminent end of real estate industry. <laughs> Dude, the death of the MLS. Oh my God! This is like, this is this has been. If we if there's an Inman, uh, you know, an Inman Connect in Vegas, a uh, there's got to be another panel on the death of the MLS, and that would be the the 95th panel on the death of the. That's MLS. right ever right I, honestly man like when when this all this stuff started happening uh something i think it was you like really made fun of me back in the day i want to say it was a couple of years ago <clears throat> we were like you're constant boogeyman of the government right? yeah. <laughs> and i was thinking like hey even a broken clock is you know right twice a, <laughs> twice a day <laughs> or twice a but decade. here we are yeah. here we are man no, like it's finally I, happening well listen i mean first of all let's just call out the, and you 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 admitted this is that you know you thought that the NAR had caved to the DOJ, right? That Correct. was the first impression of that of that Correct. negotiated settlement. So um, right. now you've completely like now we all look at it going, shit, they had a great deal going on there. So they should close that thing that door really you know a lot sooner, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and look, I, as I've always said, like I have strong opinions, but my opinions are based on whatever I know of the facts. Turns out the facts were wrong, and so I'm happy to admit it when I'm wrong. You know, it's uh, NAR had an amazing deal, and I don't know how they did it, but they reached some understanding. Uh, you know, with the Trump people. So let's actually start by just in case anyone doesn't know what the hell happened. Yeah, <laughs> I think in quick succession, a couple of things have happened in the past. I don't know, has it been a month already, or a couple of weeks at least? Uh, yeah, it's been a couple two, of weeks. Three weeks, yeah, yeah. So the first thing is that the Department of Justice pulled out of the settlement that they had reached with the National Association of Realtors and four things with respect to the MLS, right? And it was, you know, enabling searches by compensation amounts. It was uh, rules that prohibited brokers from publishing what the cooperating compensation was. Third one is uh, realtors claiming that buyer services are free. And the fourth one is lockbox access, right? So they had reached settlement and it sounded like, I mean, I thought it, was, it, it sounded pretty harsh and there was a very specific clause in that settlement agreement that basically said the United States reserves the right to continue going after yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So the first time I saw it, I was like, why in the world, if you're doing a settlement, would you agree to this if you're NAR, right? And I still don't really know the answer. Maybe I'll try and get like Scott Hempill back to, you know, see if he can help me understand, you know, how that language was somehow protecting NAR, but apparently it was. <laughs> so, because what happens is, you know, we have a new administration, new head of DOJ, acting director at the uh, antitrust division comes in and they pull out. <laughs> they literally pull out. You know, yeah. you, you got more of kind of on the policy and the legal side and government yeah. than I do. So, is it a big deal for like the DOJ or the government to? pull out of an agreement 
a, a proposed settlement like they did. Is that like, does that happen all the time? Or is that something that, that this is a rare thing? Because I've been reading a couple things where, and, and NAR is, you know, in their statement have, have said that this is unprecedented, not unprecedented, but yep. very, very rare. Is that, is that the case or is that, or is there a lot of bluster there? Or is it, it really is um, unusual and, and rare for them to, to kind of blow up a settlement like this? Because it does show a little bad faith, right? I mean, going forward, like, why would I ever, is this time for real, right? I mean, it just opens up a whole can of worms um, on that. Yeah. So I checked with a couple of sources on this and according to them, and they, they're in a position to know they're, you know, lawyers are actively involved in sort of antitrust areas. This has never happened before. Wow. The DOJ has never done a settlement agreement. And then during the publicly required comment period, cause that's, that's like legal. That's just what the law says, right? If the United States is going to enter into a settlement, there has to be like a 60 day comment period where the public gets to comment, right? They have never done this before. So yeah, it is unprecedented. It is a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. When you right. look at it, I mean, it's like, and this isn't like anybody's fault or the industry's fault, but that real estate in particular has gotten so much attention these last two years with the yeah. shortage. I mean, there's such a spotlight on us right now that I think- I that, would argue it's actually going back longer than that, right? Well, because if you I think mean, about it- is What's going on right now, as far as like the, the, the shortage of homes, hasn't happened in 40 years. Sure. Right? So I mean- Sure. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the politics of what's happening today is really, really delicate. And I think it's really bad for the industry. I'm just pointing out that, you know, some of the academic studies and some of the consumer, you know, advocate people talking about commissions are too high. And it's because of these arrangements- uh, that's been going on for at least 10 years, right? It yeah, started no. getting traction, I want to say probably 2015-ish type time frame. But, you know, yeah, it's, this has been going on for a really long time. But anyway, so the DOJ pulls out, which is unprecedented, never happened before. So immediately I start, you know, thinking about writing about it. And I remember writing a post that basically said, yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to see the DOJ really the, where the action is. I think it might be the FTC through regulation. Literally, I think I put that up and like two days later, the Biden you know, <laughs> executive order on uh, competition comes out and buried in, you know, everyone else is paying attention to like Facebook and Google and Amazon and medical device, like all these other areas, but buried in it, there is a clause that specifically talks about tying and other illegal arrangements in real estate brokerage and listing services. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, hello, yeah, here we go. Right, this is now a directive from the president to the FTC saying, hey, go uh, go smack real estate. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, this is yeah. kind of also, I think it goes longer, but it is, you, you say it wasn't tied really to the Facebook and the Google stuff that's going on, but mm -hmm. the new head here, and I, I don't know if it's Lina or Lena Khan, right? Lena Khan, yeah. Lena Khan, right. And she yeah. wrote a, a very influential paper called, I think it was Amazon's Antitrust Paradox. And it mm -hmm. talked about that the former definitions of what a monopoly is mm -hmm. are kind of like archaic, right? And this kind of happened, this has happened once before. And this is back. And the one that they, the, the one that I remember they, they reference a lot is, is uh, Justice Louis Brandeis or Brandeis, right? And he Brandeis, was, yeah. Yeah, he was a Supreme Court judge, uh, justice from 1916 to 1939. And, and this is like, 
when they kind of started like breaking up the tycoons, the oil and gas or, you know, oil and, yeah. and uh, railroad tycoons. Right. And this is what they're calling this new Brandeis movement, right? Where mm -hmm. basically what they're saying is that the concentration of economic power, I'm reading off of something here, aids the concentration of political power and that such private power can itself undermine the overall over and overwhelm public government. Right. So this is all about power, right. And how private, yeah associations and companies like a Facebook or an Amazon, they get so big that they can, you know, that they, there's the worry of that concentration of power can yeah. override the government. I think th so these people, these, this, this new, you know, breed of, of uh, people coming in um, like, is it Lena? Lena Khan. Yeah. I mean, you know, she's only 32, right? So um, that's right. There's a lot of the people looking at the, the things of what's, what our definitions are of monopolies and what our definitions of these things and realizing, you know, we've got to come up with some new, new definitions. And I think they're not looking, they're looking at who cares if NAR has been, you know, a hundred years old, they're looking at everything. They, want they are to, looking at everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a bigger yeah. thing than, than just, I think, uh, as you said, the computer, you know, the social media companies, but I think it's everywhere they're looking at. Uh, including I, there, there's absolutely no doubt. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's going to get heavily political, but I think the heavily political parts are going to be focused more around like big tech, right? And uh, big pharma. So one of the things I really think is the real estate piece is a quick win for them, hmm. is how I look at it, right? Uh, so let's not talk about the legal, because yeah, look, you and I are not qualified to be having conversations around you know, antitrust provisions and, you know, what the definition of monopoly ought to be. I think what we can talk about is what we think is going to happen and what, if anything, we, what the industry could do about this, right? And I've been thinking about it a lot, man. I think there's some real, real problems. That's how, I think we're Shocking. potentially the weakest position we've ever been in. I think the industry is in a really weak and vulnerable position right now, specifically, I mean, you tell me, like, that's something we can, we can talk about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I think that there are certain, certain things about the way that we, that real estate does business and we can talk about buyer's compensation, right? Um, yeah. Yep. Compensation. But um, I also think that it's pretty early on in this, this whole thing, even though you've been saying it's going on 10 years, it's not going to blow the entire thing. Nah, man. They're going to find a way. Here's why they're going to find a way, bro. They're going to okay. find a way because when, when they realize that just the fact of the ease of what rolling in the buyer's uh, representation compensation into the loan itself, how makes how, how that makes the whole transaction a lot more frictionless and a lot more easier to do, when they start blowing that up and now all the people in banks and finance are going, hey, wait, 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 what, what's going on here? What do you want to screw up? What, what do you want to make harder? You know, you want to have the buyer come up with that money right at the end of the whole thing. I thought we had this figured out. This is going to screw everything up. So once the real money gets in here, then we're going to know. And I don't think the real money is, has really woken up to exactly what this kind of um, peeling away buyer representation compensation means. And I, I think once they do, um, you're going to see a whole nother game start to be played. Because let me understand what you're saying. You're saying that the big mortgage banks and commercial banks want buyer agents to be paid by the seller? Well, I mean, whatever's the, they, they want to make, and I think like, this is why I think it's going to be solved. They want it to be a smooth transaction, 
right? They want it to be as less of friction as they can. Like, and I think right now we have that kind of system, right? Where it is rolled into the person's mortgage, right? But if, if, we, if we start screwing with that, I think you're getting a lot of people that are going to raise their heads and, and wonder, what, what, are you, what are you doing here? And we're going to see a whole nother kind of uh, other players in here wanting to poke their head in and see what's up. Okay. See, my, my feeling is I actually think that's the reason why I think we see buyer compensation go away. So let's, let's, let, let, me take, let me see if I can explain this. Where I kind of see this is what, it, what has been kind of the most unique thing about the 2020 and 2021 housing market. Inventory low. Oh, okay, that's low, low supply. There's a bunch of reasons why, but inventory has been low before. Again, this is forty years, Rob. They're saying that that, that inventory has not been this low in the past forty yeah. years. So that's to me, you know, that's almost as you know, it's a little bit younger than I am. I mean, that's my lifetime way yeah. before that. We're talking the sixties, yeah. right? So that to me is unique, man. I mean, low interest rates, yes, but I mean, a forty-year cycle—that's crazy. I guess what I think about is what's really unique about 2020 and 2021, because inventory has been low before, we've been in buyer's market, seller's markets before, is the number of buyers who talk about how they're getting outbid by cash buyers. Yeah. Where they don't, it's not even a competition. It's not even like, hey, you know what? I put in a bid and, you know, the inventory is low. So it's like there were 10 bids. Like we've had multiple offer situations before. This is, a, this is not some unique thing. What feels unique about 2020 and 2021 for me is the number of agents and buyers talking about, I went and bid on this house and I got outbid by an all cash buyer. And I keep wondering where the world are these cash buyers coming from? <laughs> so some of it <clears throat> is California and New York and those people leaving those states and going to Florida and Texas and saying, you know what? Hell, I just sold my $2 million bungalow and I could buy this mansion for 500, I'll just pay cash. Right. Like, I know that's part of it. The other part of it, this sum that the media is really starting to pick up on is institutional money is coming in. Yeah, absolutely right. I think that's unique. In other words, like I look at this and I go, and I've been, there's no, now here's, here's where my argument is flawed and weak, right? Is there's not a whole lot of data. There's not a whole lot of data to show exactly how much institutional capital is flowing into residential real estate specific to single family residential properties. It depends on who you ask, right? There's some, some source that say it's really no more than like 5% of the investors, right? There's other evidence suggests that it's way more than that, right? Right. That Atlantic article, right, that you kind mm -hmm. of referenced in your blog post talked yeah. about that rental home companies own less than, than half of 1% of all housing. Right. So that's, right. that's some data and they link to a study showing that, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think, you know, and that the whole purpose of that article was talking about, is not about the banks or institutional money getting in here. Yeah. It's mostly NIMBYism, right? But Right, um, right. Here's my problem, though, is that the data that he cited, half of 1%, right, was retroactive. It's retrospective. It's backward looking, right? In other words, he's on, he doesn't have access because nobody has access to, there's no data for this available. In 2020, how many big institutions got involved in home buying? Right. Okay. But but there's different ways. And this is actually, I think, going to be good for NAR's, you know, renegotiation. I don't know what you would call it. But I mean, here's why I think that there's something, some things going on. There might be a good thing that this has happened and blown up because, okay. because there might be a better situation going on. So when you say institutional money, I think, you know, what you're saying is, that um, these companies like BlackRock, which own invitational invitation homes, buy up these lots right. of houses, 
And traditionally they say there are fixer uppers, not, not, you know, turnkey homes. And then, you know, we become a renter nation, right? Now that's one way that institutional investors participate. The other way is, is that I, you know, I've heard this from a lot of agents. It's like when a buyer comes in and goes, well, I'm always just, I'm always getting outbid by cash buyers. We'll call knock or call orchard or call. So there's other ways that institutional buyers are coming in and they're using their money to help traditional homeowners, you know, bring in a cash check. Right. right. So, so the market makers. Yeah. Yeah. Institutional, you know, when you say institutional, there's different ways of defining that. I think everything okay. goes to the boogeyman uh, definition, but, but, and here's, the, here's why I think this is a good thing. The market reacts, right? So as supply is so much down and again, a 40 year low, as, as these things happen, what you're seeing is just a huge blooming and, and plethora, if I could use the word of new business models that are emerging because of this, the prop tech industry is just exploding right now. It has been exploding for the past five, 10 years, right? So mm-hmm. I think NAR is in a good position. A lot of people are in a good position to say, you know, you want to talk about like new business models. You want to talk about compensation. You want to talk about all this. Look at the fucking 50 companies that law lo- that launched in 2020 and 2021, all designed to help consumers have different ways of buying, selling, and financing homes. But that's just simply not true. What, what are you talking about? There's, I mean, I get the same damn, I read the same news every every time I open my goddamn browser, there's a new yeah. prop tech company, you know, that started. Yeah, but just the, there have been 50 prop tech companies that launched to help consumers do anything. Most of the prop tech companies that launched are trying to make money off of the agent's pocket. No, I mean, you know, let's say Open Door, for instance, right? I mean, they charge a fee to the, the, the that's one. Sellers. Okay. But you said 50. That's one. So Open Door Zillow, right? In other words, the iBuyer category. Not other than that. I mean, all these like other Tomo, bridge loans. My point is, other than the iBuyer category, think about Tomo Networks. They're just trying to make money off of agents. They're relying on the current structure. Any of the the prop tech, you know, sort of vendor companies. Every single one of them is trying to make money off of brokers and agents. Like, where are these fifty companies that have launched trying to make money off of consumers? I mean, I mean, to me, I think, I mean, I, I could, you know, look back here, but to say they're all trying to make money off of agents, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. Prop tech company has launched to try and make money off of consumers. Of course. Right? None. Because the money isn't the commission, man. It's $60 billion. Maybe, maybe later in the show notes, I'll, I'll list, if you're saying none, I, and then, you know, you can, I can come up with two right now. I bet you by the time we put the show notes together, I'll come up with 20 that are, are, are showing, you know, that I can show you are making money from consumers, not just agents. Because traditionally okay. what happens is these prop tech companies come in and they're all about the consumer and then they pivot to agents, right? right. That's the traditional way of, of, of how these things go down, right? So- right. But well, you know, you know, you say so. It's not, let, let, we're we're getting a little field. Here's my point: is this? I think institutional money has come in to real estate, and I think they will come into real estate for a sustained period of time, because real estate is such a great inflation hedge. And I believe, and again, I could be wrong because I'm not an economist. I just look like one, right? <laughs> I believe the biggest factor driving the big institutional investors is the money printing that's happening not just in the United States, but across the developed world, right? Like you listen to guys like Ray Dalio and some of these guys, that's, this is what they talk about all the time. The central banks of all, just about every country is just printing money like crazy. COVID might be a reason for it, but fact is they're printing money like crazy and the governments are spending money like we've never seen before. 
So if you're a big institutional investor, one of your top priorities from an investment standpoint has to be, we have to beat inflation. We have to have some sort of inflation hedge. Real estate makes phenomenal inflation hedge because it's literally, you can't make any more, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> you cannot yeah. make any more land, right? I mean, that's just, so if you think that the dollar is getting devalued or the euro is getting devalued, you know what? You should probably buy stuff that has constrained supply. That's real estate. Here's my issue. I think when I think about the politics of what we've been discussing, right? Do the Black Rocks and the Black Stones and these big institutional funds own thousands of homes, right? Sure, they're going to use it as rentals. <clears throat> There's going to come a point where they're going to want to sell it. Do they want to pay buyer agent fees? And to me, the answer is no. If I'm BlackRock and I'm looking at, I have 15,000 of these things and I'm paying $10,000 on each one of those, hell to the no, who can we bribe? Who can we, who can we lobby? Get rid of that. All those companies, the way they purchase a home is probably from in-house brokerages anyway, right? I so know, but, what I, that's, what, but that's my point. Now, Greg, my point is if I'm selling, if I'm one of those companies, now I'm thinking about, I want to dispose of oh, my portfolio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to, yeah, are you going to, in that case, want to pay a buyer's rep, whoever brings you buyers? I mean, that, that's a good point. But I mean, how far away are, I mean, when do you think that's going to happen? I mean, you're, you're talking about an event and like, why would, I mean, on, on another thing, I mean, all these guys that are in the big finance world, they all talk about hold, 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 never sell, never sell. Right. So, you know, there had to be something. What's the get there? I mean, there, they, there's some sort of math and some spreadsheet some guy has where if the value crosses a certain line, you got to sell that puppy. I, I don't know. No, I don't think it's that complicated. I don't think it's that complicated. Here's why. Because if you, if you stop looking at house, if you look at houses as an institutional investor would, right? They're not living there. It's just an asset, right? That's okay. all. So they're going to invest 300000 and they think, oh, we're going to sell for three thirty, right? Or we're going to sell it for four hundred, right? Because you got to beat the inflation, you know, hurdle. We're going to sell for four hundred. So what's our net? Our net is a hundred thousand, right? Okay. What's the commission we have to pay? Yeah. Well, we got to pay, you know, six percent, three percent. Like that's twelve grand. That's a huge reduction in our. That's almost it's over ten percent reduction in our profit from this investment. Can we avoid paying that? Yeah, we can. How? Force the buyer to pay for their own agent. Oh, cool. Hey, call our guys in DC and tell, have them tell the FTC commissioner we don't. We're very happy if you got rid of this thing. It, you know, so it, I, it's, it's it, it would be a very it's very cynical to think that an organization that owns less than one half of one percent of homes out there, in an effort not to want to pay commissions, is going to start all this shit, right? So that they don't have to. So that the asset, the less than one and a half percent of houses they own. Um, they don't have to pay buyer commissions on. I mean, that's essentially what you're saying here, right? No, no, no. Hold on. I'm not saying they'll start it. I'm saying they're not going to oppose it. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, sure. But I mean, that can move the needle, though. Uh, you know, some big, some, some billionaires are not going to oppose something. Depends on how powerful you think Wall Street is in our federal government. Yeah. Probably. Too. I happen to think they're pretty powerful. I happen to think they have a lot more influence, you know, than uh, than maybe we we might perceive, right? But so in other words, what you said was you think that the big bankers and the mortgage guys are going to want the buyer to be able to, you know, capitalize the agent fees into their mortgage. Like maybe, on the other hand, the other big institutions, the other big Wall Street players are like, why in the hell do we want to reduce our 
profit margin when we sell these real estate assets that we have spent 2020, 2021, and probably into 22, 23, whatever, acquiring. So I don't think they oppose it. I don't think they started. I think this was clearly started by something else, academics, you know, the uh, yeah. regulators, the consumer people, whatever, right? But you, I mean, you know, I think after reading you for so long, but I think you, you definitely, though, agree that there is value in a good buyer agent, right? No question. No question. Okay. Yeah. But the, here's the problem. I think the system we have right now is really flawed. And I think I've said that for years and years. And one of the biggest flaws in the system is there is no price discrepancy between a good buyer's agent and a really bad buyer's agent. To me, that's a real problem. I don't know how we answer that as an industry. We can't. And here's the thing. When we're lobbying, when you know, NAR's public uh, you know, marketing campaigns, they make it sound like all realtors are amazing. Realtors are a code of ethics. How do we really know you know, doctors, lawyers, everything else, right? I mean, it's it's not like a industry, a real estate industry specific kind of thing. What you're talking about? No, it is. It is. It's very much a real estate industry specific kind of thing. Because how do you know that a buyer, a doctor, or a lawyer is better than another one? You look at their billing rates. Some lawyers charge twelve hundred an hour. Others charge a hundred bucks an There's hour. Some shitty lawyers that charge a lot of money too, man. They don't get clients, man. They don't get clients. Marketing. I'm, I'm telling market. you, no, it's. It's it's true. If if you go and some lawyer says, "Hey, pay me thousand dollars an hour," so you pay him thousand bucks an hour, and they fuck your shit up, and they can't close the deal for you, or you lose at trial. Like, dude, you're not going to be charging a thousand dollars an hour. Again, for I, I think I think it's not. You know, maybe it's not as pervasive in those industries, but I mean, you know, there's definitely. You can't tell me that other industries don't have the problem with like some practitioners being their their compensation is not matching with their skill level is. I mean. That's a freaking parable there, man. Dude, but you're, you're talking real fair. You're talking real fractional margin. I'm talking in re- residential real estate, right? It's the same. It's the same. Eh. Like the best, the best agent in Huntington Beach is going to make the same as the worst agent in Huntington Beach representing a buyer. Oh, I don't think so. No, I think there's still. I mean, there's. I mean, you're you're again thinking. How do you figure that wrongfully that that stuff is not negotiated now? It is heavily negotiated now. I mean, a lot of consumers are very savvy to know they can negotiate um, all the commission out there, right? So even some of the top- If, you know, if you're the buyer, tell me, hold on a second. If you're the buyer, how are you negotiating the buyer commission? Well, I mean, in some places, and I believe CRMLS is one of them, and I know I think of Northwest MLS is another, that is listed on the on the MLS and sometimes- Dude, that, that listing is less than a year old. Yeah. So it's not like there's widespread consumer awareness that they can well, negotiate I mean, but, but consumer it, it's, commission It's starting amounts. to happen, though. It's starting to happen. Sure. Though. Okay, fine. So once you see it, how exactly does a consumer negotiate the buyer agent rate? I'm not paying this. But they're not paying it anyway. The seller's paying it. It's coming out of the closing statement. Well, I mean, if I if I see a fee on there and I want to know what it is, I mean, right. any persistent any persistent um, buyer is going to you know be asking a lot of questions. And if okay, you're let, let's walk through nobody, that. The buyer nobody, nobody is getting is getting that reduced. Then I don't. I, I don't, well, I don't let, let's walk through that. So the buyer shows up at the closing table, right, and sees fifteen thousand well, dollars. Again, if it's, not, if it's listed online, if it's listed online, yeah. right, and they see it ahead of time, right, yeah, they don't have to wait till they're at the closing table. They can ask. What is this? What does this represent? Okay. This, is, this is the commission we paid the buyer's agent. Okay, is that a commission negotiable? No. Why is it, well, that, how, how would the buyer yeah. negotiate that? That's from the listing. That's from well, the listing agent. Okay. The, the seller. listing agent properly should say, you know what? I'm not. That is not my commission. 
Uh, I yeah. can negotiate my own commission. That's that's the yeah. representation. Yeah. If you want to talk yeah. to them, go talk to them. But to say no, that's not correct. Wait, wait, wait. So let's let's think through this. So you're a consumer, right? right. You go on on Zillow. You go on Redfin. Actually, Redfin. Let's do Redfin because Redfin has specifically said we're going to publish all of the cooperating compensation. Well, okay, Redfin, I go on Redfin. If you, if you use a Redfin agent, they're just going to say, "Well, no, I'll give you that back." Right? But no, 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 no. Screw the Redfin agent. I'm just saying. I I'm a consumer. I have an agent that I started working with, right? Some cold old banker agent, Keller Williams agent, right? I go on redfin.com. I see, oh, look, this lovely house. Hey, what's this two and a half percent here, right? right. Oh, that's the buy side compensation, right? So, okay, well, that seems pretty high. Let's start, hey, uh, hey, my agent, I, I really like this house. Please uh, go put in an offer, okay? During that whole process, turns out my agent is utterly incompetent. Right. Almost kills the deal. Uh, never calls me back. Doesn't do squat. And I'm like, I hate my agent. Right. I hate my agent. Am I then saying to my agent in the midst of the transaction, "Hey, listen, uh, you really suck." Right. So I understand. I signed this buyer agency agreement, whatever the hell it is. But you're not getting paid what you think you're getting paid. You're telling me the consumer is going to be able to do that. I'm saying let's let, you know just to kind of call back a bit here. I've been charged with a DUI. I hire an attorney. Yeah. The attorney says they're going to do this, this, and that for me, right? Yeah. And during this thing, the guy turns out to be a fucking idiot. And I've already got $5,000, $6,000 you know, in charges, right? You're telling me that they're not going to come after me for that $5,000, $6,000 charges? What, I, don't, I guess I don't understand. Like, it's almost like you're ignoring the fact that if I hire an attorney and the attorney says, hey, listen, uh, my rate is $500 an hour, right? I can't say, wow, you're too expensive. I can't afford you. Or can you do it for less than that? Can you do it for a hundred bucks? Right. And then there's a negotiation that happens. And my point is this, my point is it could be the case where as a buyer, my agent is amazing. Right. Right. My agent went pull, you know, is a total expert, knows every trick in the book and got me that home, got me my dream home. Right. And I'm sitting here, my agent not only deserves the two and a half percent, hell, my agent deserves 5%. My right. agent deserves every single dime and he's absolutely worth it, right? Number one, it's hard to fire them and replace them midstream. That's number one. Right. Number two, I show up at the closing table, there's $20,000. I mean, do I go, wait, what the hell? My agent's not worth this. Make this $5,000 and reduce the price of the home by 10 grand. Like, as a buyer, you don't have that right. You can't do that. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I don't know if it's impossible, right? Yeah, I mean, they could blow everything up and then agents would have to like, I, you know, you've seen that before where agents in the last minute have to like come to come together kind of a situation. But I mean, it is rare, but it's not impossible for that to happen, right? Let's, let's just put it, it's really difficult, right? Yeah. Because this scenario comes up a lot in our industry, as you know, right? That the buyer agent's incompetent or vice versa, it could be the listing agent's incompetent, right? One of the two agents is incompetent, so the other agent has to take on all the work. Yeah, and all I was saying, where I was going down this, Rob, is you were saying this is really a real estate industry thing. Yeah, because to no other industry into, does cooperation compensation. To get into situations with a professional and, and, and you're tied to that professional and they're incompetent, I think that happens yeah. everywhere. Not just real estate. Absolutely. That's all, I, that's all I was kind of. Yeah. And all I'm saying is in no other profession does your representative get paid by somebody else. Does the rate of pay of your professional get set by somebody else? Right. 
So look, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is because of that weakness, right? Yeah. It makes it very difficult for us to argue to keep the system we've had in place for 50, 60 years. Right. right? You know, when and, the FTC again, comes not, in. Yeah, I'm not arguing that that should change. I'm not arguing that at all. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying that the mechanism of how that is done and how that makes things a lot more frictionless needs to be addressed. And I think once, once that's in threat where you know, it doesn't become that where the buyer has to come out of pocket or whatever happens. There's different ways of solving that. But I mean, that's, that's something I don't think we talk too much about is how we mm -hmm. solve that. I mean, I think yeah. I read something you had where there was like, maybe there's a, a pool of money, not a pool of money, but <laughs> some sort of My little thought experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of stipend that's put aside for that, that again, but that, that sounds like that would be pre-negotiated and that's what it is. Right. No, the thought experiment that I was doing and, you know, it was the whole, uh, I wrote a post called, do the rich need buyer agents? When you think of it that way, man, like a lot of this is premised upon the notion that the transaction is smooth, not just that the transaction is smoother, but that when, when a consumer is purchasing the biggest thing they're ever going to buy for most of them, right? And going into a 30-year loan that they really need representation. That this is super complicated. This is a big deal, and you really need representation. Right? right. All I started looking at was, okay, does that change if the buyer, the consumer, is rich? I mean, if if they're if they're worth a hundred million and they're buying a five million dollar mansion in Huntington Beach, actually five million might not get you a mansion in Huntington Beach. It might be a <laughs> bungalow, but you know what I mean, right? Like, if somebody if if somebody who's super rich is buying a luxury property, do they really need a buyer's agent? I think it's hard to say that because it's like, okay, say you get screwed. Say that that rich guy goes and overpays by 10%, right? Should you use one? Yeah, you should use one. You know, do you want to use one? Yeah, you want to use one. And frankly, those guys are in a position to be able to pay whatever the agent is asking. So well, even no, if we I didn't mean, have even rich people right. don't like to spend extra money, dude. I mean, that's probably you could argue I'm, not there. I'm not saying they like to. What I'm saying <laughs> is they're in a position to, right? Like if they felt like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm buying this twenty million dollar mansion. I'm gonna hire this. All my friends have used him, and he really knows Beverly Hills or whatever the whatever it is, and he wants a thousand dollars an hour. My point is simply that they can afford to pay it. There's nobody worry that these guys need to be able to capitalize this fee into their mortgage because like, do you know what I mean? They, they can just pay it. They're rich. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I, I hold on. go with that. Okay. All I'm saying is, so once you step away from the rich, now we're talking about are really the middle-class lower income buyers. And then all I did with that thought experiment was simply say, okay, who are these people, right? That, because if it really is a need, Right, for the name of consumer protection, then the public should fund it. Literally, there should be government-employed realtors to help these people buy their home. And the problem that I kept running into is these aren't renters. They're not on food stamps. Right? These are people who have enough money to buy a home. Right? When like 60, 70% of the public, at least among millennials and Gen Z, will never be able to buy a home. Right? Yeah. So it became a very difficult thing to say, yeah, you know what? You need to have representation. In fact, you need it so much that we should allow you to borrow the money 
right? And wrap it as part of your mortgage so you can pay for this representation. It, it's hard to wrap your head around that. Right? Yeah, and especially if those agents are only making a transaction fee rather than what normal agents would mean. Yeah, it's, it's, right. it's a thought experiment and it just blows. But I like it because we have to start thinking in terms of that. I mean, correct. Happens. So, correct. so let's, let's, let's wrap up this portion here of like, so yeah. what happens? What's your prediction? What's the notorious ROB's prediction of what happens next? And, and, and give me some timelines around that. Uh, yeah, obviously, this is like complete and utter speculation, right? right. Let, let's just make that real clear to our listeners. <laughs> you know, there's been no further action. I don't have any special access. I don't work for the FTC. I think my rank complete speculation is that the, uh, the FTC will come out with a set of rules, set of proposed regulations, I'm going to say a year from now. So summer of next year into maybe fall, winter of next year. So I think the action is going to happen all in 2022. I think those regulations will incorporate the four things that the DOJ already sued NAR on. The display of compensation, no searching by compensation, lockbox access, et cetera. I think that's going to be set in place. In addition, I think they come after cooperation and compensation by regulation, right? Like you are not allowed to pay for the, you know, other agent, you know what I mean? Like it's basically becomes pay your own agent, right? I do think we see that. And then finally, I think, I think we see the, uh, the FTC come after the realtor MLSs. In other words, you cannot condition MLS access to being a realtor. I think there's a chance that the DOJ or the FTC comes after the three-way agreement. I think there's a chance of that, but I think it's very low. But I do think they go after the, you must be a realtor in order to gain access to MLS. Oh man, that would be so awesome for vendors out there. I can I can now sell Cloud MLX to to every consumer in the market instead yep. of just realtors. Yep. Yep. <laughs> no, and I think there's there's a lot of brokers who would love to see that happen. You know, I, what's that new broker cooperative that started up? I think Wave Group is involved with it. Broker Alliance or something like that. Well, there's, there's some new group. There's MLS Align that's been around for a while, though. Yeah, but those are MLSs, right? Yeah. I'm talking, there's a, a brokerage cooperative that just got started up, spun up, like earlier this year. I can't remember it. Yeah, I can't remember it either. Yeah. I think those guys would be happy with it because, yeah, I mean, if you could get, get MLS without having to pay association dues, I think it would be huge. So I think there's a chance that the FTC comes after that. And I say that because of the Biden executive order. Because the language is really funny. There's a little or listing of real estate that was included in that executive order. And I keep looking at that, like, why would you include that? Why would you say that? Right? Yeah, there's some, it's not about brokerage. There's right? some political powers out there that be something is a little bit hinky about all that stuff for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's what I here's what I think. My prediction is nothing changes. I think that this is there's there's forces beyond all this that are too powerful that they're gonna get right to the precipice and they're gonna, you know, be a lot of saber rattling and a lot of those things. And then at the end of the day, it's just more of the same. Maybe, you know, a little bit of here and there with some policy thing, but nothing really that screws up that whole thing of like uh, rolling in that compensation in, into the mortgage. I don't, and I think that means uh, nothing much is going to change. Who are these uh, faceless forces that don't want things to change? In your I, I think it's just, I think it's big money. I think it's a... You know, no matter what's probably good for a consumer, they they just they like you know it may not be best for them, but they still like it. 
No, but that's what I'm trying to ask, Greg. Like, why would why do you think the big money wants real estate commissions to be the highest in the world? Well, uh, if you're if if you're financing those, absolutely, right. If you're financing them, you're making money off of that. Okay, so basically, your point is that the big mortgage banks want to keep commissions super high so they can finance. I don't know if they want to keep it super high, but they, I mean, it. I don't know if it's worth the change to like also blow up the frictionless process of it is to get a mortgage and then sacrifice that revenue as well. Wait, wait, you, you think it's frictionless today? Well, I know. I mean, if you have to separate <laughs> buyer compensation, if the buyer has to pay it out of pocket, yeah, that that's going to screw a whole lot of things up, bro. What would that screw up mortgage? What does that have to do with because mortgage? Typically it's just, it's rolled into, into the mortgage that way. Right. So, I mean, not to say it's impossible because as I said before, they're going to kind of find out a way here, but I just don't think any of these changes are going to be that material. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, you're, you know, I mean, you're black swan, man. And I, I know, but you're looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm saying it's going to stay status quo. And so far it's been status quo for a long ass time, man. No, that's look, it's always safe bet to say status quo, right? Oh, I'm, I'm just saying, okay. You're looking like I'm crazy. <laughs> no, no. All I'm saying is like what, literally what you said was somehow the big money wants commissions to stay high and wants the buyer fees to be wrapped into mortgage. And I'm just having trouble well, I didn't wrapping say my head around that. You interpreted, right? you put the, I never said I, that I wanted them to stay high. That was something you added there. But I, I understand how you're making that. Um, well, I, but if, you, if we're talking status quo, it is high relative to the entire world. I mean, it's roughly double to triple the rest of the world. So the rest of the world doesn't do it like we do. So, I mean, it's, it's I agreed. And that's why I'm saying the FTC and the big money would like us to become like rest of the world. You're saying, no, no, no. The big money wants, there's it also to a lot of risk in the way that the, the rest of the world does it. I mean, so there's, there's trade-offs there as well, right? Risk I mean, for I, whom? The big money? Well, well, no, I mean, as far as, uh, you know, how we practice, I mean, there's risks on both sides. Sure. Okay. Uh, no, I, but, but what I'm saying, Greg, is it's a very generic, general thing. You're saying risks. I'm saying risks to whom? There's no risk to mortgage banks if buyer agency goes away. None. Right? There's no risk to RMBS securitizers on Wall Street if buyer agents, agency goes away. None. So I'm like, what's the risk for them? There's huge risk for the consumer. There's huge risk for the agents. There's huge risk for NAR. There's huge risk for us. But I'm looking at the big money that you're mentioning. I'm like, why would they care? That that's all I'm getting at. Like, look, it's always safe to bet on the status quo. I'm just saying, why would they care? Well, why? So, I mean, if it if it's as big as you think, why isn't this happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? Ah, so it's it's too bad that we were trying to wrap up because I thought <laughs> we were going to talk about. All right. Was this, and maybe we'll do this in part two, right? My, my issue is this. I think 10 years ago or even five years ago, NAR was much more powerful than it is right now. I think NAR and the real estate lobby, if you will, has never been weaker than it is now. And I think that's why the FTC, the DOJ, all these things, even when the first time the DOJ sued and everything, right? I was just kind of like, yeah, okay. But you know, fact of the matter is the realtors are like the second most powerful lobby in the entire country maybe right after the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, right? NAR's political power simply can't be denied. And, you know, there'll be some little things in the margins, but at the end of the day, you know, NAR will come in and make deals and, uh, you know, and make the appropriate campaign contributions and we'll get things I, done. I, 
I just I don't think I, that I couldn't agree. I could not disagree with you more on on that NARs the weakest they've had been. I don't know what measuring you do, but let's let's just talk about. I think the last thing I read is that NAR members are making the most money they've ever had ever. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. is more NAR members ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm not yeah. sure exactly what you're, if you're just talking about that the settlement blew up and that's why you're saying that no. they, they're weak. Yeah, that's that's crazy town right there, Rob. That's more members. So than I ever. guess we know what we're talking about. Hold on. I, I, I know we're talking about our next episode. I'll tell you that because I thought we were going to be able to get to that on this okay, one. All right, but, uh, all right. Well, this is what we'll save it for part two. Um, <laughs> this has been an interesting conversation. And as as usual, you make me make me think. And hopefully I'm just a speed bump on your your, uh, <laughs> on your thought process. And those of you who can't see the video, Rob has got a, a sign on the on his wall, and I just love this. And it, <laughs> it says this. It says, save time, see it my way. And that, <laughs> dude, you should rebrand whatever podcast you're doing now, and that's, that should be the name of the damn. Uh, I just want to point out that that was one of the first presents that Sonny ever got me. <laughs> <laughs> So is that is that from Sunny's perspective or yours? Hers is a thing. I think that's from Sunny's perspective. Like I would save a lot of time if I just saw it her way. Let's just put it that way. No, any any husband would. Yeah. All right. I think we know what we're going to talk about in the next episode. For this one, I want to thank everyone for listening. And again, we apologize for not being around. But as you can see, we have a lot to talk about as a result of the forced uh, absence. So, yeah, hopefully tune in for the next episode when Greg and I will argue about NAR's political power in the 2021 cycle. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Industry Relations. Rob and I both appreciate your support. If you can find the time, please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It really does help the show. Thanks again. And from Rob and I, be good to each other. Bye.